Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Just a heads up, today's episode of The Quickie includes discussion around terminating pregnancy and sexual assault. If you have any issues surrounding these topics, maybe consider popping back in for tomorrow's show. In the US right now, there's an 11-year-old girl who's pregnant. This girl, who was repeatedly assaulted by a 26-year-old man, is now facing a world that will tell her that under new so-called heartbeat bills being signed off on in Ohio, where she lives, and many other states, that she'll have to carry that baby to term. So what are these heartbeat bills? And why are we seeing them pop up all over America all of a sudden? And could that happen here? Today, we find out how there's been years of manoeuvring and decision-making to create the perfect environment for the Roe versus Wade legislation, the case that made abortion legal in the States all those years ago, to be taken down. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Back in 1969, 21-year-old Norma McCorvey found herself pregnant with her third child. She didn't want to go through with it. She initially tried to get a legal abortion, telling doctors in Texas, where abortion was illegal except in extreme circumstances, that she'd been raped. But there was no police report, and she was denied. She tried an illegal clinic, but found it had been closed down by authorities. She was then referred to two attorneys who were looking for pregnant women who were seeking abortions to be part of a case to fight for terminations to be legalised. She would be known in this case as Jane Roe. She is the Roe in Roe versus Wade. Her story would end up changing the law and allowing women to access safe terminations legally. Now, in 2019, that law is firmly in the sights of a group of people who want it gone. A group of very powerful people, people whose religious views are being taken into consideration when making these laws. People, including the President of the United States. Believe in punishment for abortion, yes or no, as a principle? Uh, The answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah. Washington, D.C.-based lawyer and writer Amy Vanderpool has written about the issue and has been encouraging women to join the hashtag YouKnowMe movement, which we'll talk about a little later. Amy... Can you talk us through these heartbeat bills? What are they and what are they hoping to achieve? Well, the heartbeat bills that are going up effectively in about seven different states now, and they're on deck for about 11 other different states. So they're all either 
being proposed down the road or they're going through the legislature in those states, those heartbeat bills basically say that once a fetal heartbeat is detected, that a woman can no longer have a legal abortion. And that's typically within the six-week frame, which is a time when most women don't even know they're pregnant. So it's a restriction within the first trimester to a very early point. Missouri has also just created an eight-week ban that follows the same premise, but just under the eight-week mark. What's different about Alabama? We're hearing that's more restrictive than the Mm -hmm. others. Is that true? It is. It's substantially more restrictive to the point where a lot of conservative pundits are sort of disagreeing with it and saying it's too strong. So Alabama's recent abortion law that was just signed into effect essentially says that a woman cannot obtain a legal abortion for any other reason other than a fetal abnormality or that it risks the health of the woman. So in cases of rape and incest, a woman in Alabama is no longer able to obtain a legal abortion. Doctors are also going to be penalized under this law for criminal charges for assisting women in these ways that are specifically banned. So doctors are possibly risking 99 years imprisonment, and women are risking being charged with criminal penalties for obtaining abortions in those instances as well. We're hearing they're being signed off by governors and they're becoming law. Are there avenues of appeal? Is there any way to fight back against these? There are. What happens in the United States is that a state law is made, and then when it's appealed by a party, it goes up through an an appellate-level appeals court. The cases are already being filed. We have abortion advocacy legal groups that are already filing these protests as we speak, and they go up the chain to a federal appeals court. The difficulty there is that Trump has been able to effectively place a lot of conservative judges all over these federal court benches all over America. And once these cases go to the appellate level, the court will rule that they're legal or they're not, and then the losing party will appeal that. And that's how it has the possibility of going to the Supreme Court. So we've been hearing Trump this week saying that he doesn't really support the Alabama version of these law changes, but does the other states with the six or eight week fetal heartbeat um, mm-hmm. restrictions. So would it be a case of if it got to those courts that they would maybe approve those ones, the heartbeat bills with the six or the eight-week cutoff, but maybe not the too restrictive one in Alabama where it doesn't take into account rape victims or victims of incest? Exactly. That's that's the risk. And, and what your listeners need to understand about American politics and the Christian right is that the last 30-plus years have been spent funding this issue solely, putting legal scholars, specifically in clerkships, in prominent clerkships, to have a sway with this agenda, in making sure that the money is there, in lobbying for things, and ultimately in securing Kavanaugh's seat on the Supreme Court, all for this to make its way to the Supreme Court to get the ruling they want. The Alabama law is... is very extreme and likely won't stand a chance. But the problem is the heartbeat bills are not as extreme. And the reality here is that we have um, Judge Kavanaugh now on the bench who has had a very conservative reputation and has is a Catholic and has found in favor of restrictive uh, abortion regulations. And we don't know what he'll uphold. And 
The other alarming fact is that there are many conservative pundits and and, uh, backers, money backers, that have pushed his ascendancy to the Supreme Court. So there are concerns about about what he'll do and how that's going to turn out. Is Roe versus Wade the the case that really has allowed women to access safe and legal abortions across the United States? Is Roe versus Wade under threat right now? It is under threat because, well, it's under threat in a lot of different aspects. The most pressing being that when these laws are enacted in these various states, they go into effect and they restrict women's access to safe and legal abortions. It takes time for these cases to work their way up the chains and to work their way through the appeals court and up to the Supreme Court. And within that time, you've got to remember, you've got women who possibly have been raped, are dealing with cases of incest, who who can't obtain a legal or a safe abortion under these laws while they're temporarily in effect. So although the law may be overturned once it's at the Supreme Court level, we've got years of ramifications on women not being able to access safe, healthy health care and abortion. So the ramifications on that are very clear. Ultimately, once it gets to the court, um, what happens from there? we'll have to see. Like I said, Roe is under attack in that respect, that it's directly under attack because women won't be able to obtain abortions while these laws are in effect. But ultimately, based on what the Supreme Court decides to do, um, Roe could be could be hobbled if the heartbeat bill is passed as the law of the land with Kavanaugh being the deciding judge on the Supreme Court. So what's the knock-on effect of this now? So these laws are being signed in as we speak. What happens to those women in those states? And they are majority southern states. What's What are women doing to protect themselves in this time of upheaval and turmoil? Well, the good point right now in this Alabama law is that it doesn't go into effect for the next six months. Again, that's GOP strategy to make sure that people sort of don't over, don't react quickly and there isn't a strong pushback against them. That's not working out for them. But we're working on funding uh, strong, good, reliable organizations that are going to pursue this in the courtrooms, but also organizations that are going to help assist these women in these states. You know, what also helps is speaking about it and talking about it. I found lately on social media, at least in the United States, that women um, have really had enough and once the shame surrounding the whole situation itself and, and having to make the decision of having an abortion and all of that, once that goes away, it, it, it's going to be very empowering for a lot of women who are just refusing to be controlled in this way. And talk about it, they have. Actress Busy Phillips shared her abortion story on her show Busy Tonight. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old and... I'm telling you this because I'm genuinely really scared for women and girls all over this country. And I think that we all need to be talking more and sharing our stories more. She then called on women to share their stories using the hashtag YouNowMe. Women like Nicole. I only just turned 17. I was in year 12, whole life ahead of me. So I jumped on a train and went down to where my sister lived in Chicago. And she took me to the clinic. I had to walk past protesters. They had, you know, placards and were trying to get it in my face going, think about this, what are you doing? It was horrendous. 
But there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that I wanted this abortion. And Caroline. Well, after having my second child, yeah, I find out quite quickly when I'm pregnant because I start vomiting straight away and I was like, I cannot do this. <laughs> I was still on medication for my um, postnatal depression and I was like, I can't go back. Yeah, I can't do this. So I um, went to a family planning clinic and just said, I'm pregnant. And they're like, oh, so do you want to be? And I was like, no. <laughs> and me. You know me. For us here in Australia, abortion laws are state-based and differ slightly depending where you live. Right now, unless a doctor finds an economic, social or medical reason to terminate, it's still a criminal offence in New South Wales and Norfolk Island. Labor, at the recent election, looked at decriminalising it across the country, but the Prime Minister didn't want to talk about it. I certainly am not going to engage in the political elements of that discussion because, I, frankly, I don't think it's good for our country. But we'll leave this discussion with Carolyn and Nicole. If you don't think having an abortion can be something that positively changes a woman's life, here are just two of the many, many examples that that is just not the case. I've been able to get on with my life and I think now if I'd had to have that child, um, I wouldn't be in the sort of the happy place I am now. Like I'm now working and I feel like I've kind of got part of my identity back, not just being a mum. It was just like another medical procedure I went through, like the time I thought I had a lump in my breast and I didn't. So I kind of moved on and got on with my life and now I'm in a really, really good place. I've never once regretted that decision. I finished year 12, went to uni, got a degree as a teacher. I lived in London for two years, came home, met my now husband, lived in China for three years and we're currently in Colombia. Those are opportunities that I would never, never have had had I carried that baby to term. I did feel that social stigma of needing to keep it quiet. That's why I'm glad that now people are starting to talk about it more because the only guilt I ever felt was not from within me but what I felt other people would think of me if they ever found out. That's all for The Quickie today. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash The Quickie.